Hello legends, welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club of United Business, Australia's number one members club, connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. And today we catch up with Cub member Mona Chia, the founder and CEO of Capital and Cedric Funding. Mona is an incredible businesswoman who balances family life with four kids under the age of seven while running an incredibly successful financial and technology business with multiple offices in Sydney, CBD, and tens of thousands of loan applications every single year. Mona is dedicated to ensuring her business contributes to this world in a positive way by supporting her community. She shares how she relates motherhood to business and leadership and how it actually makes her a stronger leader and, and, and she adopts the lessons across both. Um, she also talks about the power of community and how when your community gets behind you and your business, you can achieve anything. It's a wonderful episode. She was one of my favorite people to talk to. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the show. Thanks. <laughs> you nervous? Are you feeling good? Both. Yeah. <laughs> no, like I said, we're just here today to have a really relaxed conversation about business and I, I want to learn all about you and your business and and uh, I know our listeners are, uh, are going to as well. In fact, it's my job to make sure that um, that, that happens. But um, no, I'm so excited to meet you because I've been seeing your face all over LinkedIn and and all over the Cub things. I, I, the word on the street is you're a new member, but you've made a big splash very quickly. I, I have a, a big personality. <laughs> I like um, I like socialising, and I especially like socialising with other people on the same journey as me. Yeah, and is that why you got involved in the club? Yeah, that's right. And, and tell me about your business. So it's a it, it's a it's a finance business or uh, lending. So it's called um, Capital and Centric Funding, and we loan small and medium credit contracts. So that's loans from three hundred to five thousand dollars. Um, and we also have a litigation lending product that's exclusive to long-term legal. So, what, so what's exclusive to long-term legal? So it means only available to long-term legal customers. Okay. So oh. we work um, – what I like about what I do is I have the flexibility to be able to create a loan product that is specific for an industry or a business, and I'm, I'm lucky to have that flexi- flexibility to do so. Yeah, and you're also – what else is super cool is that you're also in both finance and technology. Yeah, that's right. And that's just like a double whammy when it comes to to, to entrepreneurship, especially like big opportunity uh, businesses at, at this point in time. And and but so when someone's borrowing like five thousand, or you said what did you say three hundred, three hundred to, to five thousand. So what are they borrowing for, and and who who's borrowing that, and and. Yeah, and then I was going to ask, and how did you get into that? How does how does one start doing that? Well, actually, about a thousand years ago, I started off as a broker, and um, in my like a mortgage days, broker, uh, car lend, uh, car broker. Yeah, yeah, okay. And back in those days, everything was just so paper based. Had to print a thousand papers over here and get, you know, three months bank statements, which was like another thousand papers that you had to sift through, and then you had to fax this and then scan it and then email it. And you were getting like a thousand call, calls every single day. Oh, how's my application going? How's my application going? How's my application going? And then um, I got quickly annoyed with that. So I engaged with a firm to create a, an app 
well, not like a mobile app, just like a web app that managed the documents, the progress of the applications, communicated with my customers. And as soon as I implemented that, the calls just stopped. So it was no longer people annoying me with, you know, meaningless conversations like where's my app at? And it would take me away from what I was doing to every time I made a, a note or a comment or something that had to do with their application, they receive an email. Hey, yada, yada, yada. Um, the, up, you know, the progress of your application has gone from this to this. That's amazing. So you basically saw that, okay, there's a big issue with the clients is that, well, that they want to know where their application's at. It's too annoying for, or it's too hard for us to, to keep them all up to date by calling them every two seconds. So let's just automate that. Yeah. And, and was that something that wasn't happening in the industry at that time? No. So um, back then it wasn't happening. And um, we've got Anna, there, Anna, yeah, I got Anna's my coming here with in. Me today. Welcome, Anna. Anna, say hi. Do you want to say hello? Hi. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Say thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Do you want to say hi in the mic? Look here. Hi. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. Why are you so shy? Make you so shy. Go sit down. And so that wasn't that wasn't happening in the industry. And so no. you, you you jumped in right away and fixed that. And was that your first time getting into the tech world? Yes, or? that was my first uh, taste of tech. Yeah, and it was wonderful. You loved it. Loved it. Completely in love with it. So I moved from being a broker to working. Um, with my husband in websites and software development and that was even more like more rewarding and the experience and knowledge that I gained from from there uh, led me to my next role which was a BA at Fuji Xerox. What's a BA? A business analyst. Okay. So my primarily my job was to go into different businesses, um, look at the process that they're doing at the moment and then give them a newer, more streamlined and automated process. So I, I got to experience that from a number of different um, businesses, businesses in different industries. And that really opened my eyes to, you know, the biggest problem that people had was automation and streamlining and incorporating tech into um, what they do. And that was pre-COVID and pre-COVID, not many businesses were interested in, oh, you know, I don't want to invest X amount into... Um, streamlining this and and then during and post COVID, it was like, where do I do this? Yeah. How do I do this? I want to do this. It's funny how that happened. It's 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 almost because, and like I mean, I could be wrong, but like one theory I have is that because things because people were more spread out, staff were out. A lot of people had less staff because uh, you know they, they either had to let them go or whatever happened. So people had to actually get more efficient. That's right. Their staff had to get more efficient or they as a business had to get more efficient. And that's what tech gives you. Tech yeah. gives you efficiency. efficiency. So, yeah, you, you'll need like a bit of investment to begin with. But if you look about your investment and that return on your investment over time, you're actually saving a, a bucket load of money. Yeah. yeah. And you're helping the people that you work with um, get more efficient at what they're doing and giving them the resources and the tools to be able to enjoy what they're doing and, you know, automate some of those processes that are just so repetitive and it's yeah, like time wasted. And also they can focus, like they can focus, when you do automate those little things, 
the team can then focus on more important things. That's right, things on the like, cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they can focus on just better, better, better things. And so, again, though, then how did you go from the automation tech world to uh, finance? So I was uh, presented finance? another opportunity um, to do another small and medium credit uh, credit contract of financial services business. And um, I hopped into it. I was like, yeah, you know, I love – I love trying to understand how people spend their money and I love just like working out why. I I like to see the problem and work out the why and then try to implement a solution to fix it. Because if you if you focus on the problem and put in a solution in place that fixes that problem, um, I think at the end of the day, it, no matter what business you're in, if you're focused on the problem and fixing the problem, you'll be very successful. And you've got to be passionate about the problem as well. Yeah, that's 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 like that essentially is okay. what entrepreneurship is. Like, okay, how can I make something better for someone and therefore they value that and, and, and pay me to, to make it better for yeah, them? Yeah, that's right. Like I did um, – we, we're starting like a – we're launching like a tech company at the moment, Cubbies, and – so I put together, me and Laura actually, we, we sat down and we put together a huge, like not a huge pitch deck. We put a huge amount of time into, into designing a very simple and short pitch deck. Yeah, but it takes and a lot of effort and time and thought to does. put a pitch deck together. It, They're not easy. No, no, it takes time. Yeah, yeah. And you do about nine, we've done about 9,000 like, versions of it. Yes. And um, and um, uh, we, we showed it to a few people and, and, and a very smart member actually, his name's Matt. Uh, Matthew Brown, I'll give him a shout out. He said to me, he was like, uh, the problem with your pitch deck is that the first thing people need to see is what the problem is and how you're solving it. Yours is too far in. And I thought that's so true. Like that is the most important thing of a business. Like, okay, what problem is, what, what problem are we addressing that exists out there? And how are we solving that? And that the numbers. Problem? Yeah. And then the numbers. <laughs> the num- yeah. Numbers are pretty important. <laughs> yeah. But that, that those really, they would be the most important things. It's yeah. problem. Solution and how we're monetizing that. What's the business model? Exactly. Like it, it, it is the essence of business. And and so, I mean, you obviously have kids. How many kids do you have? I've got four. Oh my god! This like yeah. you don't look like you have four kids. And 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 so, and, um, and so you got four kids. Yep. Uh, your husband has a is a business. He's in the. Um, it was a website. Does, uh, no, so my husband works for Qantas. So he's he a senior for engineer for Qantas, and he does website. Uh, what does he no, do technology? Back in the day, we did oh, okay. the websites and, and stuff. And, and you've got this business now with four kids. Yeah. How are you managing that all? A lot of people ask me that question, like, how do you do it? And a real, like, the, the simple answer is you just do it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that it answer. It is. You just do it. Like, uh, everyone, oh, how did you prepare for your next kid and your next kid? And just like, you, you don't prepare. You just, you jump into the deep end you, you know how to like paddle to keep your head above the water. And then as you're paddling, you learn breaststroke, you learn the backstroke, like you learn and you just got to keep learning and keep surviving and keep growing and finding the solution to whatever problem you've got next. Yeah. It's keep problem solving. That's it. Keep problem solving. And was it uh, your Lebanese background? Yep, yes. That's right. Me too. And was, was, did you, was business something that, uh, that was in your family? Is it something you always wanted to do or how did you like? Yeah, family of entrepreneurs. So, um, my family started off, uh, in the car industry 
and still continues in the car industry and the auction industry. Okay. Is that how you got into car financing? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's amazing how everything has a... So I left school and I started university and I just, I don't know, I didn't know what I wanted to do or wanted to be. And my dad was like, look, why don't you come and try finance brokering and work with my partner? And I started it and I was just like, hey, it's actually pretty cool. And that's how I got into brokering to begin with. I just, I didn't know where I wanted to be and school I think the one thing that school taught me that was the best thing that it could teach or for the school that I went to was um, how to be a – how to think analytically. So not just see some information and then take it for its word. So look at information, look at the source of that information, look at the validity of it, uh, has it been peer-reviewed – um, what opinions can you form on it and having a, a healthy environment where we could debate different ideas and different experiences. And I think that was the best thing I ever learned from school, not the actual stuff that you learn at school, but the the tools um, and the skill set that school gave me. And you said that once you started doing the financing for the cars that you loved it, what did you like? What did you like about it? How did it resonate with you? I loved looking at people's bank statements and just <laughs> being a little bit nosy and seeing, okay, well, how much is this person earning and why are they spending it this way and why are they spending it over here and and can they afford this loan? And I know it's like we don't give financial advice. Like we have to, you know, um, look at what someone is earning and spending and perform a serviceability test on their actual income and expenses, not just a benchmark and it's it's really interesting. Like, why did you spend that much? And so you why like do I spend this much? And <laughs> so it's kind of like the people side of it that you like. Yeah. So, you know, how is this person living their life, and what are they looking to get? It's kind of yeah. like understanding the person. Is that what you like? Yeah. Or is I it do, what they I, describe I wanna, that wrongly? It's not the person. I think it's just people. Um, what I've what I've built into my software application now. We get 180 days worth of data um, from their bank statements and the various accounts that's linked to, you know, their bank login. And we perform an analysis on that and say, okay, what are your exact um, expenses and what's your exact income? Are you earning a regular income? Is it income from working for someone or working for yourself? Um Self-employed is always worse, isn't it? No. No? No. It okay. Actually, and and a lot of um, – I can't speak on behalf of other lenders, but there is a misconception that, oh, no, it's because you're self-employed, it's harder to get a loan or it's harder to, um, to service a loan. But what you will find and what I found with many of my self-employed customers is you don't have a choice. You need to keep hustling. You need to keep bringing – uh, income in, whether it's uh, you're chasing customers or you're chasing a subscription um, and performing a service and giving a service to people. Um, so it's actually the people who run businesses have a steadier stream of income because, you know, they've still – business owners have not just, you know, our own personal expenses, but we've also got our business expenses that we need to worry about. 
So it's yeah, we're more you're more inclined. We're to more keep inclined hustling. to make sure the cash flow comes in. That's right. It might like sometimes it goes up and down. Sometimes you huge months and sometimes smaller. But there's always a minimum that basically has to come in for us. That's to, right. To keep going. and a lot of business owners like set that benchmark. Okay, well I need to pay X amount um, this month. I need to know I need to bring in this much over the next three months. And I think we forecast a lot better. Um, than if you knew, like you didn't. Oh, how do no, I say I know this what you're saying. I know, I know. Well, I know what you're saying because I'll relate to myself. I literally don't know how to log into my own bank account. I couldn't even tell you how to log. I can't get in. I don't know how to. I, that's how little I look at it. And that, I'm not saying that's correct, but I don't. Yeah. Whereas the business money, I can tell you how much went out, how much came in today, and how much is in each account every single day. Yep. Because I just, it's more important. Like I need to be looking at, I don't know if it's more important again, but but anyway, my attention is going towards the business, it is. not and going towards myself. And you know why it is myself. more important? Because there are other people relying on you. Mm. You're not just looking at your own expenses. You also have to think about your own expenses and the people that work with you, their expenses as well. Because, you know, the people that work with us have mortgages, have bills, have families, lives to live, have families. Holidays, they want to buy holidays, houses and save yeah. up. So- there's a much bigger responsibility on a business owner um, knowing that there are so many people depending on us. So when when people say, oh, you know, how many people uh, work for you? And I'm just like, people don't work for me. I work for the people that work with me. Mm. Because if it wasn't for the people that work with me, there'd be no business. There'd be no customers. There'd be no culture. There'd be nothing. Like what's what's a business without the people that make it a business, that give it the culture that give it life and opportunity and mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I know I, I don't know if that's a Lebanese thing or not, but my dad used to say that as well. Yeah. He used, yeah, exa- exactly the same thing. Well, he used to say the the organizational chart, like a like a pyramid, um, it shouldn't be like the pointy side up. It should be the, the you know, exactly. flip it on its head. It, that, that's who's the people in the front are who the boss is. They're the people talking to the customers. They're yeah. the people at the front. They're the ones that make the biggest uh, difference and you serve them. That's right. Really. That's 100% right. Yeah. And what do you think it is? A lot of Lebanese people have businesses. What do you think it is about the culture that, that My that family that? comes from a village and um, I think we were brought up with the village mentality. Like uh, we're all in this together. You know, you know who your neighbour is. Um, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes <laughs> a village to do this and – it's so true. It's actually so, so true. Like like you said, I've got four children and that's four kids under seven. So I've got a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, my four-year-old here with me today and a very, very cheeky three-year-old. Um, and I don't think I would be able to do what I'm doing today if I didn't have the support of my village. So my village is my husband, it's my mother, my father, my brothers, my in-laws, my cousins, the people that I work with, um, my friends, they're my village and even the people that I do business with, they're my village. I can't be successful if my village around me isn't successful. Yeah, it's it's almost like the Lebanese culture, like like many other cultures, but the Lebanese culture has really mastered the art of community. Yeah. Like it's a very communal culture. That's right. And it's, you know, whether that be family, friends, like work, uh, team members, it's it's very – community, even the, you know, even serving the community through the businesses. It is, but we're brought up like that. We're Mm. brought up in servitude of others. Mm. And I think um, 
there was also like there's also like you know a religious aspect of that as well, like uh, in servitude, uh, uh, sacrifice for others, and um, I think that well, I know that upbringing instills in me my core morals and values that have stayed with me till this day. And was your was your were your parents always? Um, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Were your parents always like um, pushing you to start a business or pushing you to do whatever you wanted or how was what was that relationship like in terms of career-wise? So I've got a very village mother and um, who was raised in Lebanon and came here after she got married. And my father was born in Lebanon but came here when he was quite young. Um, so I've got parents that have experienced both cultures, which is really cool because – I've got, you know, the strict Lebanese uh, upbringing. Mum, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I've also got the flexibility that dad was like, okay, well, why don't you do this and do that and, you know, let me problem solve and, you know, build those analytical, critical thinking skills that, you know, we use every single day in our lives. And I try to do the same for my kids. So if I see um, one of them trying to work something out, I'm not going to go in and be like, oh, no, let me do it for you or let me show you how is I want them to figure it out. I want them to develop those problem-solving skills um, the same way that my parents let me do that as well. Yeah, and do you think you ever, like, it, it, being a parent, I'm not a parent, um, but being a parent, do you ever relate the way you lead? I yes, I am the mother of the chill. office. Yeah, like, yes. well, n- not just being in a mother's <laughs> sense, but, like, you know, because having children, you are, I guess, guiding people, leading people. You know, does do you find that being a, a mother of four has actually helped you as a bus- yeah. in business and as a leader? Of course. How? Like, what what are the things that I guess? What what are the relatabilities? Okay, so as a as a parent, you're empathetic to other people, and the other people are your kids. Um, you might not know what problems people that you work with are having which is the same thing as when you're when your kids are baby they just scream and you have no idea like yeah. what is wrong with you how do i solve this problem are you hungry are you tired are you, did you just poop like i don't know um so you work out different methods and different ways of reading people um so you learn okay what's a tired cry what's a hungry cry and it's the same thing as when you're working with someone like a is this is there something else going on in their lives that you have to be empathetic to because we all have a different journey in life we all have different experiences and every kid is completely different from the next like my first one didn't sleep for over a year for more than 40 minutes but my second one came out like a, a dream baby like in the <laughs> hospital that kid was sleeping through and I would get visitors and they'd be like what's he doing I'm like I have no idea he's sleeping I didn't know children do this. Like I, I always cursed other mothers that were like, oh, my baby sleeps seven hours a night. And I'm just like, yeah, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and so it's like a, it, it's a, a really heightened empathy. Yes. The ability, empathy is one of the most important things. I actually read a book once. I can't remember what it's called. What's it about? It's, it's about uh, uh, evolution, but it spoke about men and women and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it, it was basically saying how – 
uh, mothers have um, like a, a, an extremely heightened sense or ability to be empathetic. And it actually related it to babies not being, un, being unable to communicate and therefore the mother was um, uh, is still able to That's tell right. between, you know, facial expressions. Are they, you know, are they full of these? T- you learn those micro expressions. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if they're called micro expressions, mm. but if they're acting up because they're tired, like you look for small signs, like uh, are their eyes a little bit red? Are they rubbing their eyes? Um, is he doing, is he playing with his ear? Um and you, the adults are exactly the same. When you're tired, like you might yawn or you might rub your eyes or rub your temples or start, you know, playing with your hair or. Like Anna is now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, but that, and that's such a, a powerful uh, leadership ability. You know, like someone like myself might not realise any of that. You know, <laughs> I just, I might not, might not notice it. But, but you might not consciously notice it, but subconsciously notice it because you you are in a leadership position, and people people who are in a leadership position, I I feel like other people that I have met in leadership positions subconsciously even have that that thing that they could see people and then know okay, this is how I can talk to someone or this is how I could uh, understand someone else's point of view, and um. That's true because to be a good leader, you do need to be helping. That's right. The people around you. So if if you weren't being empathetic towards their needs, because you're not successful unless they're successful. Yeah, exactly. And it's you can't go into anything with the with greed or with a, a me attitude or a me mentality because it's not it's not about you. Uh, being a part of a community isn't just about you. It's about Everyone around you, your your family, your kids, the people you work with, your customers, um, like there's there's so many different types of communities that make up your village, and I think it's also like I completely agree, and I, like one way I think about it, and I actually verbalize it sometimes to the team is like it, it's you're, you're in a relationship with a whole lot of people and yes. communities, and a relationship is to to a two-way straight, like there's value going both ways. That's right. And so you need to be a contributing person that delivers value to other people or other communities. And they also need to deliver you value in return. Otherwise, the relationship doesn't last, the connection breaks, and 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 you, you kind of part ways because yeah. you, you're no longer stronger together. You're That's now, right. I'm carrying you, therefore, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm putting my efforts towards, towards others. Um, um, and so it's like it's a two, just a bunch of relationships, and and to to bring value to others, you got to be a good person, and you've just like good ethically, yeah, that's um, right, and and um, empathetically, and all these things. Because there's there is enough opportunity and enough business in this world for everyone. Even if we're doing the exact same thing, we can still support each other and grow. Like uh, you don't have to be different to have value because there's so much opportunity out there and you're going to have you're going to have a greater chance of success if you're bringing each other up yeah and if people support you like if people yeah. like they they're cheering for you they're referring to you and they they they're referring to you in ter- in many senses and like they, they want you to win if if everyone hated you well you're probably not going to do that great but yeah. if people support you you are and and what you said is an interesting thing i read once that uh, business, when it w- whenever it was written, 
uh, about. It was written about in terms of like war, which is like one side has to win, the other side has to lose. It's not uh, like that in well, business yeah, at all. Yeah, and, and I can't remember what book it was. I think it was um, the guy that started um, um, the health food store in the US. What's the big health food store in the US called? Whole Foods. Is that, is that what it's called? Yeah. Uh, this like in the US, it, like I, I imagine it'd be like our, our IGA, I yeah. think. Anyway, it's called Whole Foods and the CEO of it or the founder and CEO of it wrote a book. And so he says in this book, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but the concept was something like, uh, it'll come to me. But he was like, business shouldn't be written about like it's war because it's not. There's plenty of business to go around. Like, exactly. There can be two businesses in the same industry that have a similar product and they both do very well. That's right. There doesn't need to be one that that destroys That's all right. the others. It should be, and I put this hashtag a lot in my posts, uh, community over competition. Yes. Yeah, and that's kind of what Cub's all about, really. Exactly. And that's why I really, I love, I know I've only been here like, what, a month? I don't even know. I, I just I got, I, I got told, well, for the listeners, this is the first time we've really met properly. And, and, <laughs> and um, but, but I knew you and knew, I think they fast tracked you because you've been promoting us so much. So the I team was it. like, we got to get her on the show. Because like I said, it's, it's actually a community. It's uh, business owners hanging out and getting to know each other and talking about our struggles and our wins and what kind of, um, what kind of advice we can give each other. And that's that's like the embodiment of community over competition. Mm. And that's what I really, really love about Cub. And so how do you how do you see yourself carrying that kind of sense of community into the finance world? And how do you relate the two? So I really care about what people are spending. Like I actually really, really care about that because I'm a mother of four and I've got my own expenses that I need to look at and pay for. And so when I get all these applications and since the 26th of January, um, we've had over 30,000 applications. So you could imagine how much data we have on what people are spending and how they're spending it. So I've, uh, I've actually partnered with one of the members from Cub. Oh, great. Uh, data, Greg? Yeah, Greg Norman. Yes. Yeah. Data Greg. Data He's Greg. basically known as that in Cubs, Data Greg. <laughs> yeah. So I presented him with my problem and I said, I've got millions of data points and we know we know what we're doing. We know that, you know, we could use these data points to measure um, serviceability, to service a high-risk merchant spend. So that's money that's spent on gambling or at pubs and bars, which is fine. Like that's People are, People are allowed to do that. Allowed to spend their money. Just don't the way spend they want. all your money on it. Yeah, <laughs> like still have some money for you to service and and live. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what I want to provide as a as a roadmap from our app is a a budgeting tool and a loyalty program because you can download so many budgeting tools and it will say okay. Um, if you earn this, you could spend this and save for this and these are your expenses. But then what reward are you getting? Like other than paying your shit on time, like what are you getting? What I want to do is um Give them better borrowing power. No, <laughs> even better than that. Yeah. I want to give I want to reward people to stick into their budgets, not just with our loans, but with all their expenses and say, okay, you've been following your budget for two months now. Here's a hundred dollar gift card. Wow. 
I want to reinvest a portion of our profit back into our customers because I want their lives to be better, which leads into the next module that I'm adding into the app, which is a property investment module. So there's a property and you want to build up your investment portfolio, but you know, it's so hard to save X amount of tens of thousands of dollars to buy an investment property. It's almost impossible. That's right. These days. But I could spend, you know, 200 bucks and buy shares into a property and own a portion of that property and earn a return because, you know, the property is being managed, it's being rented, it's being looked after and people don't have that opportunity. And I want to give people that opportunity. I want to help the community around me. I want to help um, the people around me because my success isn't just my success. It's the success of everybody around me. It becomes about if your community, if you're in and if you're in a disadvantaged community or unsuccessful community, it's harder to for everyone to support each other. That's why by, it matters success, who you hang out with. It does. By uh, by successful, it doesn't have to be like it doesn't have to be yeah financial or, or business, like but just successful in that we're contributing human beings. Yes, and look out for each other. Yeah, and that's why it's so important um, who you hang out with. I had a friend. Uh, sorry, have a friend. Uh, one of my best friends was a like the most beautiful human being, great, great person. You 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 meet started hanging around just the wrong people and went down the wrong path and ended up yeah. somewhere not nice. And we uh, know lots of people like that. There in are, our lives. and it's just it's just. But you can actually track yeah. when it happens because you can literally see who they spend more time with, and and th- that's why community is so important. It's like. Yeah. Who are the – if you're a business like, – just bring Cub into it. If you're a business owner, well, I want to hang around with other business owners because I want to have a good business community so I can grow and get better in business. Yeah. You know, if I want to – having a good family community and I want my kids to um, grow up with friends that share our values and ethics, I want them to be friends with my friends and cousins, kids who share it. You know, it, it's, it's like yes. this net of safety almost. And and there's um, – there's, um, uh, where it gets difficult for people is when they don't have, you know, a, a community that they need or are We're in so need so lucky of. here. We are so – when I say here, I mean in Australia. Mm. We are so lucky in Australia to have these opportunities. Uh, and even if you don't have the opportunity now, you can create the opportunity by who you talk to, uh, what you're reading, Um which cafe you hang out at, like it, it all matters. And I think if if I were brought up somewhere else, I wouldn't have the opportunities that I have today. Australia is without a doubt the best country on planet Earth. Number one country it ever, is. I it, swear. It, it's the safest. The, pe- the community as a whole is very – like there's no other country you can go to and the average standard of community is as high as Australia. You can go to some countries, you go to some areas, yeah, bad shit's happening to you. There's very few bad areas in I'm sure there yeah. are some. But there's very few where there's not some sort of sense of community where, you, you know, you, you'd be all right. You saw, you, you, yeah. Someone will help you out. Like um, it, 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 the, the average the average quality of community in Australia is very high. We're lucky that if we're sick – we can go see a GP. We can go to the hospital. We've got access to medication. We've got access to so much that a lot of people around the world don't have access to. Like we're so lucky. Like if if my kids have a fever, I can go down to the chemist and buy some kids Panadol. 
Like at, in, in Lebanon take at the it, moment. You just take it for granted. Lebanon at the moment, you can't do anything. It's but, horrible. But you, we take it for granted. But j- just to get back to your business, because you said something extremely amazing, which was we actually are going to invest a portion of our profits to our customers that s- uh, achieve their uh, – that safe, that achieve their uh, budgeting goals. That's right. That's a very big deal. Is that something that – how would you come up with that? When I grew up, I didn't grow up having someone teach me how to be financially responsible. And I don't think that's something that's been taught at schools either um, when I was growing up. Um, also, Lebanese people love to spend lots of money oh, too. I love to spend money, <laughs> left, right and centre. <laughs> don't judge me. I do. I love spending. Oh, i got the same problem, don't I? <laughs> um, so – a way to teach someone and to reward them for it. If you go to school for it, if you go to university for it, you're rewarded with your degree. But as a regular person trying to have someone help you and then you have access to have someone try to help you because it's regular people, like we we can't just go to a financial advisor and spend thousands of dollars for them to help us. Like it's, it's hard for a lot of people. And they probably don't want to because, yeah, you're right. Like it, it, and it also what, what am I going to pay you? What's the, yeah. Like I don't want someone telling me how to spend my money. Like uh, someone who's here like to say to me, oh, you got to earn this and spend this and blah, blah, blah. Whereas if you like go and a lot of people download apps, right? They download apps to help them. They download apps for weight loss, for meal plans, for exercise, um, for budgeting. Um but how do we take the budgeting one to the next step and reward people for it? Like a, you're not getting a, a, de- a degree or a diploma or a certificate. No, but, but it is something tangible. It's something tangible that they could reward themselves with and say, hey, um, yeah, I've been doing this diet for a week and my reward is this ice cream. Like the reward is the gift card. Like I, I want to gift you like a good on you, like keep going, like keep Keep hitting those milestones. Keep getting better at what you're doing. You could get a loan and not miss an experience with your friends because you're earning an income. You're able to service a loan. You could service, uh, you know, your lifestyle and your living expenses. But it's hard to save. Like, you know what I mean? It's so hard to save because you want to go to all these experiences. You don't want to miss out on putting, you know, 24-inch rims on your car or do you know or, what I mean? Or looking on social media and seeing everyone do these beautiful holidays at these ridiculously expensive hotels yes. and then thinking, well, I need to do that too. I can't be staying at a exactly. not ridiculously expensive hotel. And life's too short. Like why miss out? Like don't miss out on the things that, you know, you don't need to miss out on. And obviously, you know, we have to responsibly lend, which is you know, the core The core of the business is responsible lending. You're not going to give a loan to someone that can't afford it or already has a mountain of debt or is already spiraling. Because then you, you're making this. You, you're actually not doing them a favour. You're doing you're them doing a disservice. It. That's right. And if you if you, if you you go against those responsible lending guidelines and practices, like really, are you going to get your money back? No. So why do it? I saw something really interesting, which I actually really liked. And I wouldn't typically, if I have asked, if, if I had read it a year ago, I would have been anti it. But right at this point in time, I was pro it. I saw, I think it was the Australian posted on Instagram, which is basically where, where I get all my news from, um, that Tasmania is trying to pass a law that only allows people to gamble on the pokies 
a maximum of $5,000 a year. Now, I would typically be extremely anti that. But I was pro it because I was like, you know what? Pokies suck. I am, but I'm not. (laughs) I agree. But like why you do not need to spend $5,000 on the pokies in this year. But that's you. Yeah, I know. What about like, you know, someone's uh, grandparents that literally just They've got all this spare income and they want to use the money how they want to use it. And God damn it, when I get to that age, well, if someone tells me how to spend my money, I'm <laughs> going to tell them where to go. Yeah, that, and that is the argument against it. But but, but like, the businesses are relying on these pokies as well. So if you look at there are some bowling clubs that were going really badly, really poorly, and as soon as they were approved to have pokies in their clubs, their clubs started flourishing. It started bringing more people into the club for other services that the club has to offer. You know what? You just switched my mind because I'm pro-business, so I'm pro-pokies now. <laughs> yeah, like, it, like there's, there's, there's always two yeah. sides of the coin and 100%. you've got to balance that. Yeah, no, I agree. The, the only thing I thought is I personally don't like the pokies. Yeah, no, neither I was do just I. Like, I was just like, you don't need to spend $5,000 on the pokies. You could definitely spend that on a holiday. Yeah, but you don't need to spend $5,000 on a handbag either. No. But, you know what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but, it, but it probably contributes more <laughs> to your life than the pokies. Anyway, you've changed my mind. I, I backtrack on that. I am pro-businesses growing and thriving because they employ more people, give more people purpose. And you know what? They make but it a builds couple, a community as well. Uh, it builds a community at the po- And they make a couple people happy. You want to go spend some money on the yeah. pokies? Why, why not? And then – and and. People, God gave us free will to go and make decisions and make choices to do what we want to do. And uh, although, like, I, I could see it from both sides. I could be like, if I saw my kids spend, you know, five grand on pokies, like, uh, I'd have a word or two. Yeah, come on, I mean, surely there's something better you could spend it on. Yeah, surely, like, <laughs> go spend it on the metaverse. Like, <laughs> That's basically the pokies. <laughs> so many members. So many members are going to disagree with me. The <laughs> listeners, I should say. <laughs> but but you're right. Because you, I mean, you've completely changed my mind as well. Because one thing that I hate about this world at this moment in time is that no one has any ownership over anything, any part of their life. It's like it's almost as if they treat us like we're stupid and we're not able to look after ourselves. Like they have to put up. They have to put in place all these rules to make sure that you're safe. Like, it's like well, as if I'm not allowed to choose my own level of safety. Like the like, manual from a car says don't drink the fluid in the car. Yeah. Like, whereas back in the day it was like it teaches you how to bloody rip it. The but, car. but even like <laughs> even things like, like uh, wearing a helmet on a bicycle, you know, like I should be able – to decide as an adult, perhaps, yeah. maybe as a child, yeah, your, your parents should decide for you. You don't, you don't even get a choice. Your brain's not even there yet. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, as an adult, if I want to ride a bicycle through a park, I should be able to decide I can do that without a helmet and take that risk reasonably. Do you need to wear a helmet if it's you're the in law. the park? Or oh, is it just I, I on don't the know. street? I'm not sure. But riding a bicycle, you need to wear a helmet. Do you see, like, how, no, no, how definitely many different park. ways you could look at something? Like, do you do you 100% need it in the park? Like, I think you do. I, you? I'm fairly certain. I, I'm, look, like, I don't know. Some jackass could be like, he's, he's wrong, he's lying. But but I'm fairly certain. I should probably know this as a parent. It's true. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. my point is, that's an example <laughs> of, like, you know, they, they it's almost getting too nanny. Yeah. On us. It's like, well, hey, I can also judge my own risk. It, just like I made the risk of starting a business. But as a lender, people also say the same thing with our responsible lending guidelines, with our compliance, with the legislation we have to follow. 
we're the ones who are responsible for our customers. They may be grown adults that earn an income, that work, that drive, that drink, that, you know, make their own life choices. But as a lender, it's my responsibility as the parent to say, no, I'm sorry, you can't have a loan. And again, that's the other side of the coin because in right. my There's place it was like the government's sides. like, well, we've got to look after these people. That, you know, that moron might um, decide to ride his bicycle drunk and like, drive, you know, off, drive off the cliff. Do you know there, there is an actual law that says someone can't have more than two small amount credit contracts at the same time? It is against the law. That small amount credit contracts so are the, what you do. That's three hundred to five thousand. No, so that's a uh, two hundred to two thousand. Okay. So it doesn't matter which lender it's with. If you've got two active small amount credit contracts, even if the person has serviceability, I can't give them another small amount credit contract. Why is that? It's because they're saying people that- can spiral into debt that way. Yeah. And I have to be responsible and say, well, look, you know. You could either consolidate your debt, bring your repayments down, or I'm sorry, we can't offer you this product. And you don't say, oh, well, why don't you try for more money to go for other loans? It's, no, no, you've got to give the responsible answer because that person is someone's child, someone's mother, someone's father, someone's brother, sister, aunt, uncle. Like I have a very, very strong family um, family mentality and – I would never want to see my family in such a predicament where they can't afford to go get their groceries. Or someone funding a bad addiction that they have. That's right. And and I, I think that's really... So that's why the government, like I, I can't speak on behalf of the government. I'm not in government, no, but, but they do put certain rules in place that may seem over the top, but they're there for a reason. Like they're there because, you know, people need protecting ultimately. Yeah, I've got to stop there talking. So you. Many you, keep, you keep changing my mind. She not, Sorry. <laughs> no, no one ever changes my mind. You're the first person to ever crack the Daniel code. Yeah. My mind's going all over the shop. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> like, you got to go buy a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think that attitude is the essence of, of you, your business, this episode. It is the community. It's the treat people like they're your family. You tr try to make your community stronger through your business, so that therefore your community is also better for you as well. It's a yep. it's a two, it's that two way relationship. That's right. Um, well, good. Well, I think we should finish on that note because that's a beautiful note to finish on. And um, we do like to normally end with um, a greatest lesson in business or a favourite book or something. What I'd probably like to ask you, which um, I like to ask uh, lots of the parents that come on the show, is if you had one one thing or one lesson you could tell your kids regarding um, starting a business or even regarding career or, or being or achieving and being <laughs> successful or, or, or even as broad as being just success successful in life, whatever they want to do. Be good. What What would it be? Be good. What does that mean? Be a good it person. Yeah, be a good person. Have good intention. Um, turn to God. Turn to your family. Um, turn to, you know, uh, religious leaders uh, that you uh, are a part of, uh, their community, um, because all that, uh, all that, those morals and those values ultimately guide you to a good destination. Yeah. You're not necessarily – like walking a straight line. Nobody does. We all have zigzags in our lives where, 
you know, we're happy, we're sad. You know, there are days where I can't get out of bed. Like I literally have my laptop in my bed because I'm just like, I just, I have to work from bed today. And just to say, be good, have good intention, try to do the right thing because it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you have those intentions in place, you'll be happy and successful no matter what. Yeah. And I think also a cool thing there is like, don't just look up to people that uh, look, so don't just make your idols people that you think are successful. Make your idols people you think are good people. Yes. That have good ethics. Yes. As as successful humans. That's right. Successful in community. That's right. Because no matter what you do, if you're looking out for yourself and for the people around you, you're going to have a good life. Yeah, 100%. Well, let's finish the show there. Um, to our, actually, can you just tell me, I was going to ask you at the start, where did your business name come from, Capital and Centric Funding? Uh, my business partner came up with it. Did he? What yeah. does it mean though? I don't understand what it means. What's centric? Centric. If you think of the word centric and where it comes from, where it's derived, centric, central, yeah. it comes back to that central community, that central space, going back to the centre of things, the centre of yourself. Okay. I love that. Okay, I get it. So it ties into the community. Yeah. And uh, to our amazing listeners, if you want to find out more about Mona Chia, you can go to cub.club forward slash podcast and find book recommendations, uh, favorite quotes uh, and other things, or you can get in contact uh, with her there. Uh, If you want to catch up with Cub uh, on socials, you can go to at Club United Business on Instagram. It's also equally as awesome. Mona, thank you so much. Thanks again for having for me. On the show. What a fantastic conversation. By I know. Way. I was so nervous coming yeah. into this. I'm like, what uh, do I do with my hands? Like, nah, you, end up, you <laughs> ended up t- taking me down in this conversation. No one's ever changed my mind. So I, I didn't mean to <laughs> do that, but I'm glad I did. <laughs> I, I'm going to go gamble now. All right. See you guys. <laughs> thank you.